0: there I'm Sue Elvis from the blog stories of an unschooling family welcome to my podcast this is episode 158 and today I've got some old stories and some new stories to share with you I've also got a bit of news Here I am back after a podcasting break. I didn't really mean to disappear again, but I had a technical problem a couple of weeks ago. I did a sample recording and then listened to it, and there was a terrible high-pitched buzzing noise in the background. I tried a few things to get rid of it, and then I gave up. Since then, I've done a little bit of research and... And it seems that Blue Yeti mics sometimes have this problem. Well, I've changed the cable today, the bit that goes from the mic to the computer. And I'm hoping that this recording will be fine and that I can upload it and we will have an episode this week. Well, that explained what happened two weeks ago. What about one week ago? Well, I don't know. I just didn't get around to solving the problem. I didn't want to think about it anymore. But today, yes, I'm back and I'm feeling enthusiastic again. And hopefully this is going to be an interesting episode. Now, I sometimes run out of ideas. What shall I talk about in this podcast? What shall I write on my blog? After so many years, I think it is about nine years of sharing my unschooling stories. Yes, sometimes I don't know what to say. I think I've said it all. And I'm just about ready to pack everything in, disappear and go and do something else when inspiration strikes again. Or somebody gives me a good suggestion. And one of those people who is full of good ideas is my friend Lauren from Instagram. Yes, she's one of my Instagram friends. And Lauren said that she would like to hear what my kids are doing now, but also she'd like to hear some of the stories from when my children were younger. And I imagine that that might be interesting to people who have younger children than mine. If you are a long-time podcast listener or blog reader, you will know that our youngest child is Gemma Rose, and she's 15. Yes, we're on the tail end of unschooling, as far as homeschooling goes, because, of course, unschooling never finishes. So, it has been a long time since we had babies and toddlers in our family, Life does change over the years, and unschooling today looks very different from what it looked like when I had a house full of young children. So maybe I have some older stories to tell. I know I've got some older blog posts, but also I can just tell you some of the things that were happening in our lives when my children were younger. And maybe I'll start off with one of those stories straight away to give you an idea ...of where we were maybe 15 years ago. Yes, when Jim Rose was a baby. Now, I had a letter in the post a few weeks ago. It was from Father James Tierney. Father Jim, as we call him, is the author of the Bush Boys series. And we have known Father Jim for many, many years... He's a close family friend, as well as being a mentor, and he's also one of my writing buddies. Yes, it was Father Jim who encouraged me to write books and publish them. I wrote a grief book, and I also wrote a couple of Catholic children's novels, and Father read them all, and he was very, very encouraging. In return, we have proofread some of Father's books. And also with my son, Callum, he illustrated one of Father's bush boy books. I think it was called New Bush Boys in the Bush. I shall put a link in the show notes if you are interested in Father Tierney's books. So the other week, as I said, I received a letter from Father Jim. And when I was replying to it, I looked at the date... I thought that I'd probably just missed Father Jim's anniversary of ordination because Father Jim was ordained on my husband Andy's birthday. Yes, they share a special celebration day. Andy had just had his birthday and that reminded me of Father's ordination anniversary. I did a little bit of real-life maths and calculated that it was Father's 55th anniversary. The reason I knew this was because our family was invited to Father's 40th anniversary celebration. And that happened when Gemma Rose was a baby. Now, I remember that day very well. We gave Andy all his presents and then we got ready to leave for Father's anniversary lunch. The unusual thing about the day was that it was snowing or rather it had been snowing there was snow on the ground now we very rarely get snow and snow that settles wow that is unusual and my kids of course were very very excited and i can remember we all went out the door and to get in the car to go and visit father And of course, my kids wanted to play in the snow. They wanted to make snowballs and throw them at each other, of course. But unfortunately, I wouldn't let them. All my children were dressed up in their best clothes. They looked wonderful. And I thought, well, if they start playing in the snow and then throw snowballs at each other, they'll soon be wet and dirty. And then what will everybody think when we get to the anniversary lunch? So I hurried my kids along. I said, put the snow down. Come on, keep moving. Get in the van. We're going out. I don't want you to get dirty. Now, looking back, I really, really regret that decision. I think that was the very last time we had enough snow so that it settled on the ground in a white sheet. Enough snow to make snowballs. And my kids weren't allowed to play in it. I got in the way of a very rare opportunity to have some fun in the snow. So if I could go back... I wouldn't worry about clothes. I wouldn't worry about dirt. I would probably have joined in with the snow fights. Maybe I would have gone and got a couple of towels and mopped my kids up afterwards. But yes, to prevent them playing just because we were going out. Yeah, I regret that. I think so many times we worry about other people, worry about Presenting our kids, well they've got to look good. They've got to have their hair done. What will people think of us if we turn up somewhere and our kids don't look 100% perfect? Yes, we put other people ahead of our kids, ahead of them having fun, experiencing different things. So that's one of my early stories about when my kids were younger. But I have another one that I'm going to share with you a little later in this episode. Because now I want to share a current story, something that happened only a few days ago. I guess before I start the story, I should tell you how I used to think about learning a long, long time ago, when we first set out. I used to assume that my kids wouldn't learn anything unless I taught them. They couldn't learn without me. If I didn't know it, they didn't know it. So it was a huge surprise when my kids started telling me things that they had discovered and I didn't know about. I used to say to them, Where did you get that from? How did you learn that? Where did you hear about that? Yes, it seemed amazing that my kids could learn without me. They didn't actually need me. I also used to think that if there was no proof of learning, if I couldn't see something tangible like some notes or a lap book or a picture or something visible, then my kids couldn't have really have learned it. And if they had learned it, they probably would forget it. So I guess this is why a lot of people make their kids do things, do busy things, so that there is some evidence of learning. It not only reassures an education authority if, for example, we have to be registered as homeschoolers, it also reassures us. We can see things. Our kids must be learning. Of course, our kids can draw pictures and make things and they can forget everything if they are not engaged with it, if they just have to do it because we've told them. And then again, if our kids don't have to do projects and things, they are quite capable of remembering things if those things are relevant to them, if they are interested in them. So what's all this got to do with my current day story? Well, we have been really busy recently. We have been in and out of home. I've been driving a lot to and from town. The girls have been going to the gym a lot. Gemma Rose has had a few shifts at work. I've had errands to do. And Gemma Rose and I haven't spent a lot of time together in recent weeks. I say a lot of time. We do see a lot of each other, but we haven't had a lot of those times when the days are empty and we might look at each other and say, what should we do today? What should we work on? Should we watch a movie together? I haven't had many opportunities to strew interesting things in front of my teenage daughter. Now, of course, strewing isn't absolutely essential if our kids are busy, As I said in my book, Curious Unschoolers, is unschooling just living life? Yes, it is, when life is busy and interesting. And when it's not, when things get boring, when we get fed up of what we've been doing, then strewing is a wonderful way to bring some excitement back into life. So I guess I haven't really needed to strew because we have been busy, but... I have yearned to share a few things with Gemma Rose, enrich her environment, not just do all the things that we have to do, but introduce her to some things that she might not have come across or have been thinking about, present her with new things that she might like to explore or she might like to think about. But then about a week or so ago, I discovered that strewing wasn't necessary. Gemma Rose has been enriching her own environment. Now, one evening, I overheard Gemma Rose talking to big sister Charlotte. They were talking about movies that they'd been watching. In particular, they were talking about musicals. And there was one in particular that they had got excited about, The Hunchback Hunchback of Notre Dame. A musical theatre production. Not the Disney animated movie, but a theatre company putting it on as a production and then somebody had filmed it and had uploaded it to YouTube. And that's where my girls found this musical. Actually they had been doing some browsing on YouTube and they had discovered a playlist of musicals and they had been sampling them every evening after dinner they disappeared into their bedroom had a look at the playlist and had chosen a musical to watch together yes they had done some strewing for themselves anyway the girls told me how good this musical was and would I like to see it with them So the next day, we did happen to have a spare few hours where nobody was going anywhere. And the first thing Gemma Rose said was, would you like to watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame with me, mum? So I sat down with Gemma Rose and Charlotte, and we had a very enjoyable couple of hours and watched this musical. Of course, we chatted about it as we were watching, and especially once the musical was finished. The girls were fascinated by the hunchback. The actor playing the part actually put on his costume on stage. And of course, he had to sing all his songs in a crouched over position. My girls thought that was absolutely wonderful. He was on the stage for most of the production. We talked about the set and how they changed the scenery. Everything was changed while the action was still going on. They didn't pull down a curtain and change the scenery. No, people rushed on and changed the scenery while things were going on. It was very, very clever. And then afterwards, we talked about the themes of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And we agreed that this story isn't really a children's story. It seemed to us rather a strange choice for a Disney animation. But then again, Disney changed the ending of the original story. As I said, I suppose the real ending of The Hunchback of Notre Dame isn't child-friendly. Imagine all the kids leaving the cinema in tears. No, that wouldn't have been good for business. So after we watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the girls wanted to share another musical with me, and this one's called Jekyll and Hyde. And that got us on to talking about The Hulk, because Jim Rose is convinced that the plots are very similar. Who knows, maybe the writer of The Hulk actually read the story, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, written by Robert Louis Stevenson. Nadja Moroz wants to read the book, The Strange Case of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde. She also wanted to watch the Hulk movie again, which we did the other evening. Now, the girls' interest in musicals might have started because of Cats. You might know that there is a new movie version of Cats being released later this year. And the girls watched the official trailer on YouTube. They really love Andrew Lloyd Webber's stage production of Cats. I can't count the number of times that we've watched that. The other day when I was driving Jim Rose to town to work, we talked about the T.S. Eliot poems in Old Possum's book of practical cats, which the musical Cats is based on. And that got us talking about other musicals by Andrew Lloyd Webber, such as The Phantom of the Opera. We also talked a little bit about the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, which is Love Never Dies. But we've agreed that we don't want to watch that one again. One viewing was more than enough. Yes, that musical was very disappointing. And we concluded that some productions don't need a sequel. Perhaps the Phantom of the Opera should have stopped right there. Yes, it didn't need a sequel. Or it needed a better sequel than Love Never Dies. So I wonder, have you seen Love Never Dies? If so, what did you think? Were you disappointed? Now, we have several versions of The Phantom of the Opera. A movie version and a couple of stage versions, I think. And we watch them regularly. They're always good to talk about. And, of course, there is a book that the musical was based on. Even though the girls were picking musicals from the YouTube playlist, they also went around our house looking on the shelves for musical DVDs because we've got quite a lot of them and they made a stack of them to take to their bedroom and they've been watching those as well. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is that our kids find interesting things to enrich their own lives and sometimes they surprise us And the things that they find lead them on amazing adventures. One thing leads to another. A movie might lead to a musical, which might lead to a book, which might lead to a wonderful conversation. The other point, I suppose, is that learning isn't confined to school hours. Even though I haven't been spending much time with Gemma Rose during the day, she's been learning after dinner. Yes, in that period between dinner and bed. And just because I didn't see what she was doing for a while didn't mean that she wasn't learning anything. I've got rather relaxed about keeping homeschool records notes for Gemma Rose because she's had her last registration visit Nobody will be coming back to look at our records. But if I was making detailed notes, I could make a lot of notes just because she has been watching musicals and talking about them and doing associated research. I was saying the other day to Gemma Rose, we should at least put all the links to the things that she's watching into our Evernote notebooks because we keep losing links We might want to go back and watch something again and we can't remember what playlist it was on or was it on YouTube, was it on Netflix, where was that movie that we were watching. We are having the same problem with the Portrait Artist of the Year competition which we're watching on YouTube. We've watched several series now. And we're getting rather muddled up. Which series are we watching at the moment? Which episode are we up to? I think that if I was clipping all the episodes into our Evernote notebook as I used to, it wouldn't be a problem. I would just open up the Evernote notebook and then follow the link back to YouTube. It would all be there in front of us. So I'm thinking that I should get organized again at least keep a few notes uh, of the things that Gemma Rose and I are doing and get Gemma Rose to put her own links to things in for things that she's doing alone. So that was a current story. But I've got a story from my blog from quite a few years ago that ties in with this subject very well. It's called, I am a pirate king. You might recognise those words as the title of a Gilbert and Sullivan song. Now I wrote this story eight years ago. So Jim would have been seven at the time. But it's a story that I wrote of an earlier time. I'm not exactly sure how old Jim Rose was at the time. She was probably a preschooler. And at that time, we used to go to an annual homeschooling camp. Yes, we'd meet up with other families once a year at a conference centre. For five days, we'd have time to socialise and do a few activities together. And one of the activities the kids used to do was put on a few productions Because it can be hard to put on a production just with one family. So when we all got together, we had enough children to fill all the roles of a play or a musical. A group of nuns, the Dominican nuns, used to come to camp and they would organise the older children to put on a Gilbert and Sullivan musical. They only had four days to prepare the children. The children had to learn all the lines and all of the songs so that the production could be performed on the last night of camp. The children used to perform a condensed version. Sister Augustine used to rewrite the script so that it could be performed by less children and in a shorter amount of time. That's a little bit of background information and now I'm going to tell you the story. I am a pirate king. A few years ago, the Dominican nuns from Gan Maine, came to our homeschooling camp. They swept in resplendent and imposing in their spotless habits with plans not only to teach our children the catechism, but also help our teenagers stage a production of Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore. Sister Augustine had the scripts and music all arranged. She trimmed down the original production to an manageable level. The children had only four days to learn all the words. Speeches were modified, less important scenes and songs omitted, and a narrator was added so that the action could move from scene to scene without effort. The sisters listened to all the children singing, and based on their ability and confidence, parts were assigned. Felicity, who is a drama queen, was ideally suited for one of the major comic roles. Duncan, who couldn't sing a tuneful note, was assigned to the chorus, where he could mumble away with the other sailors, without anyone noticing. After a few days of practice, it was time to perform HMS Pinafore Sister Augustine style. On the last evening of camp, we gathered in front of the stage and took our seats. The lights were lowered, the camcorders whirred into action, and the operetta began. Sister Augustine was rather stressed out by the time of the performance, Teaching a group of teenagers all the songs and words, actions and dances to a performable level in only four days was a tall order. Many times, Sister must have wondered if her little theatre group would be ready to perform anything worthy of an audience. But she did a marvellous job. The next year, the children demanded another Gilbert and Sullivan operetta, This time, Sister Augustine swept into camp with an adapted version of the gondoliers. Again, parts were assigned, but this time, something different happened. Someone discovered that, although Duncan doesn't have a singing voice, he is a fabulous actor. So instead of languishing hidden in the chorus, Duncan was given one of the main roles, the Duke of Plaza Toro. Sister Augustine very cleverly turned his singing role into a speaking part. The last evening of camp arrived all too quickly. Sister Augustine had worked her cast extremely hard. Would they put on another stunning performance? Of course. And the star of the show that year was the Duke of Plaza Toro. I listened to members of the audience. Who is that playing the duke? He is so good. And he was. With a wig on his head and a cane in his hand, he took control of the stage. He wasn't Duncan. He was the Duke. He was so good, no one recognised him as the usually very quiet teenager who never drew attention to himself. After the performance, Duncan was given many congratulations and he received them all in a manner worthy of a duke. Later at supper, with his costume removed, Duncan returned to his normal, quiet self. You would never have guessed that he had just been the star of the show. By this time, we were hooked on Gilbert and Sullivan. It had become a family passion. We came home from camp and we all wanted to see an unabridged version of the operetta. We bought DVDs and CDs of the gondoliers and HMS Pinafore. I borrowed a library book with a libretto. Soon the children wanted to try a new Gilbert and Sullivan. We watched the Mercado and the Pirates of Penzance. Again we bought CDs of the music. We started looking out for different productions of the same operetta. We couldn't get enough Gilbert and Sullivan. Everyone started to talk Gilbert and Sullivan. Favourite lines were repeated, stories were retold, the funny bits laughed over again, songs were sung. Last term we decided to expand our Gilbert and Sullivan repertoire even further. I ordered a copy of Iolanthe, and we impatiently awaited its arrival. The DVD dropped into our mailbox. Jemma Rose fished it out and then came running in excited. Can we watch Iolanthe, please, mum? We slipped the disc into the DVD player and took our seats ready to be entertained. Jemma Rose at first was a little frustrated. She couldn't work out what was going on. And I must admit Gilbert and Sullivan can be a bit confusing to start with. We helped Gemma Rose out by telling her the storyline and explaining the action of different scenes. I found a complete libretto online which I downloaded to help us. Sometimes the words of the songs are sung so quickly we can't always understand them either. But with repeated listenings and a look at the words, they soon became familiar and enjoyable, and everyone is eager to sing along. "'I am a pirate king, I am a pirate king, I am a pirate king,' sings Gemma Rose loudly in the garden as she plays. And I cry, "'Please teach Gemma Rose some more of the words to that song.'" The other day, I bought something absolutely wonderful— an 11-DVD set of Gilbert and Sullivan's operettas. Everyone ooed and aahed most appreciatively when they saw the boxed set. They gathered around as we tried to decide which operetta to sample next. Sophie's choice won out, Princess Ida. Already Imogen, Charlotte and I have been on the internet doing some research. Princess Ida is based on an earlier operetta called The Princess. Gilbert used Alfred Lord Tennyson's poem, The Princess, for inspiration. Of course, we had to look up Tennyson's poem, which we discovered is very long. But interesting too. What should we do today? Can we watch Princess Ida? Imogen slips the DVD into the player As we settle ourselves on the sofa, we await the opening music. Guess what we'll be singing for the next month? And that's my story, I Am a Pirate King. As you heard in that story, my son Duncan can't sing. And so he was just part of the chorus for the first year that Sister Augustine organised a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. But then someone discovered that he can act. And Duncan became a changed person. Nobody could believe that the Duke was my son Duncan. Yes, Duncan was always very quiet as a child, very reserved. But he certainly came alive when he was performing. This makes me think that when our children are involved with their talents... They do become different people. They become more themselves. They become fully alive. And it was obvious that Duncan was enjoying himself. Yes, joy flowed from him. I said that Gemma Rose, when she was little, couldn't understand the plot of Gilbert and Sullivan just by watching a production. But we explained everything to her. We didn't always understand the plot either, and so, as I said, we did a little bit of research online, and this reminds me of Shakespeare. Sometimes Shakespeare can seem a little bit formidable. What is going on? And if we're watching a new Shakespeare, one that we've never seen before, we might keep some notes handy to refer to as we're watching, just in case we get a little bit lost and confused. But just like Jim Rose wanted to watch Gilbert and Sullivan, when she was smaller and we were all watching Shakespeare, she also wanted to watch along with us, even though she couldn't quite understand. It all seemed very, very interesting. Maybe it was interesting because everybody else was watching. She wanted to join in. I think that young kids are interested in things that we would sometimes think are above them. We might say they're not ready for that yet. They haven't got the skills yet or the concentration yet to watch a Shakespeare or a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. But if they want to watch, then all we have to do is encourage them and share some of our knowledge with them. They might not understand everything, But they will enjoy being part of the family, watching the production, whatever it is that we're watching, and gradually their understanding will deepen. I think that's the same for adults and older children as well. Every time we re-watch a Shakespeare play, we understand a little bit more about it. Even if we've watched something many times, there is always something new to appreciate. That's what I like about complicated things like Shakespeare. So I'm on to the news section of this episode. I have two bits of news to share with you. The first one is about a book club. I have just created the Curious Unschoolers Book Club. It is attached to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. And the idea for this book club... Well, I was thinking the other day about how we can determine whether a book is successful. We write a book, we publish it. Has it been successful? Well, I guess we could look at sales. Have we sold a lot of copies? But what if we have sold a lot of copies, but people didn't get much out of our books? What if our books are read and then tossed aside? What if our books don't make a difference? Can we still say that our books are successful because we sold copies? Well, however many copies of my books I sell, I don't think I would be very satisfied unless I thought that people enjoyed my books and they got something out of them. This doesn't necessarily mean that a person has to read my book and then agree with everything I said. But are my books making people think about their own homeschooling lives? or their own family lives, or their own parenting. Even if someone reads my book and gets to the end of it, and then decides not to unschool, they might think about other things. They might think about what suits their family. What are the things in their family that are good? What things would they like to change? They might not change things to replicate what I'm doing in my family, but Maybe my book will lead people to actually examine what they're doing with their own children, with their education, with their parenting, whatever. Even if somebody decides that all my ideas are wrong, it might confirm that for their family, what they're doing is right. So I think a successful book makes us think. And then the next stage after that is action. Is there something else that I can do to encourage families to take the thoughts and ideas and to make them a reality in their own lives? Is there a way that we can talk about the ideas and thoughts in my books? Maybe there's nothing wrong with what I've written in my book. Maybe the ideas and thoughts just need pondering. Maybe they need discussing. If I've gone off track somewhere... If I discuss the ideas with somebody, I might learn something as well. So yes, a book can only go so far. And that's why I've created the Curious Unschoolers Book Club. I'm hoping that we can discuss my books, share experiences, share thoughts and ideas, turn those thoughts and ideas into reality, find some practical ways of of incorporating unschooling into our lives. So the books are about me and my family, and the book club, I'm hoping, is going to be about the readers. Of course, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to share a little bit here and there, but I'd like to hear from everybody else. I'd like to get some good, interesting discussions going. Let's dive deeper into unschooling using my books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love as starting points. So what do you think of that idea? Are you interested in joining my book club and discussing unschooling and my books? Well, I hope you are. As I said, the book club is attached to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. There is a link on the top menu bar. There's also a book club picture and link at the bottom of the homepage of my blog. Yes, it says the Curious Unschoolers Book Club. And if you click on the link in the menu bar or on the image at the bottom of the homepage, you will come to a page which tells you a little bit about the book club. Now, it's a private book club. I thought that if we made the setting private, it would encourage us to be more open and honest. We won't have anybody looking over our shoulder. We can be ourselves. We're more likely, I think, to talk freely if the setting is private. But because the book club is private, this means that everybody has to register in order to join. But registering is very easy. All anybody has to do is click on one of the links to the book club page. And then there's a menu. Click on the menu and a drop down menu appears. And one of the options on that menu is register. All you need is a first name, an email address and a password. Now the book club went live yesterday, which is August the 8th. And already we have about a dozen members, maybe a couple more. So people are interested. And I'm really happy about that. I'm looking forward to getting to know everybody and diving deep into unschooling. So I guess I should invite you to go over to my blog and look for the link or the image and to register and join the Curious Unschoolers book club. You'd be very welcome. My second piece of news is to do with taking unschooling on the road. A few weeks ago, I was telling you how we've been invited to go to Canberra which is at least a couple of hours drive away, maybe a little bit more, and meet up with the local unschoolers or anybody who's interested in unschooling in the Canberra area. My friend Tam is organising this meeting. She lives in Canberra. It was actually her idea. I think she's going to hire a hall And we're all going to meet on Saturday, the 31st of August. We're gathering at the hall at 10 o'clock, and the meeting will begin at 10.30. I'm taking Sophie and Imogen with me. Or rather, I should say, Imogen is taking me and Sophie. Yes, Imogen has volunteered to do most of the driving. After the meeting, we might have lunch together, a time when we can just socialize in a relaxed manner, just get to know each other a little bit better. We haven't got all those details worked out yet, but I'm sure we'll organize it all well before time. So what are we going to be talking about? Well, if anybody has any questions, then Sophie, Imogen and I can answer them or we can try and answer them. But yes, we're going to have a few topics ready to talk about, and I would like to tailor the talk around what people want to hear about. So we might have to think quickly on our feet, just to make sure that it is a very relevant and useful uh, meeting. Yeah, but we'll work that out before time. Tam and I are going to be in contact. Tam will give me some ideas about what the people in her area would like. So that's an unschooling meetup in Canberra on the 31st of August. Saturday, the 31st of August at 10 o'clock. Now, I haven't got the address of the hall where we will be meeting. But if you leave me a comment or if you send me a message on Instagram, for example, I will let you know. I will pass on all the details from Tam when I know them myself. So I think that's all I want to talk to you about today. I hope you have enjoyed my old stories and my new stories. And if you would like to join the book club, please go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, where you'll also find the show notes for this episode. And as well, if you live within travel distance of Canberra, please join us on August the 31st. As I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, I'm on Instagram, so you can join me there as well. You'll find my books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love, on Amazon as Kindle and Print Books. So now it's time to listen to this recording. I hope it's going to be okay. I hope there's no high pitched buzzing noise. I hope that I can publish this episode on time this week. Please stop by my blog or Instagram if you would like to comment on anything that I've spoken about today or if you have some suggestions for future episodes. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode today, episode 158. And until next time, don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally.